Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Hi Mark, your first question for you is from Susan. She says it's a little bit of a random question, but she would appreciate your input. She has an off-the-track thoroughbred gelding who was very shut down when she got him. He's now coming out of his shell, although he still has a tendency to freeze and or detonate quite heavily to something far away. They do a fair bit of walking around, leading, and with Susan walking beside him. And he's now walking forward more and seems more curious. But, and this is the question, he seems to feel the need to stop and smell every single piece of horse manure that they come across. She's wondering, how do you determine whether this is a good thing or a hindrance in the shutdown, gazy, freezing horse? Okay, so this is this is the bit that I think a lot of people are going to come across this. So when you had a shutdown horse that was just too frightened to think for itself, or then you open it up to a horse that actually thinks for itself, then you've got a, a horse that goes, well, I can do this and I can do that. And... Uh, there's a lot of times when I ask someone to do something or they've asked their horse to do something, what was the question? So what was the question you've got to think about? So if, if he was on a pathway that you'd asked him to do something, then, um, then he wouldn't be sniffing the manure because he'd be thinking about the question that you're asking him. So um, this is the stage that you're going to get to now is... He's not just dilly-dallying, going everywhere, sniffing everything as a sort of a, you know, sometimes you, you might be saying to him, come on, we're leading through here or you're leading out there. Um, so, so sometimes you, you can, you know, to keep him on track a little bit, you can offer him a few more little distractions along the way. So obviously at the start of letting a horse kind of open up, you give them a bit more free range to make decisions because doing something for themselves is what helps them open up instead of taking that right off them. So now that he can do things for himself and he can lead out, sniff a bit of manure, go over here, then you can start to sort of slowly um, put in place the furniture. What I mean is boundaries, you know, so if you were sort of, you know, if you ever sort of, you know, um, walk through a dark house, you go along the walls and the furniture to find your way where you want to go. Um, if it was a house without any walls and really big and you had nothing to, you know, tactile that you could feel, you'd go, oh, crikey, I'm lost. Okay, so um, by keeping the wide boundaries at the start, the, the horse had plenty of, plenty, of, plenty of things to sort of think about and places to go. Now you slowly bring in the boundaries. So basically, if you see a bit of manure coming up, you know him well enough to say, oh, he's going to get distracted with his nose and sniff on that, so you're going to offer him a pathway to distract him off that. Um, you know, it's, it's the little questions and decisions that we make that help a horse stay on track. Um, because at the end of the day, you need to have a tool that says, let go of that. So, and this is a, this is a kind of, this can be quite confronting to people when I say, you know, things like this is, you know, maybe don't let that horse, cause here's me doing, you know, trying to tell people to unlock, shut down horses and give them a right to think again. And then I say, don't let the horse think that happy thought like that. And I go, well, why? It was, well, it's not that I don't want them to think the happy thought. It's just that when you ask the horse to let go of that happy thought, it didn't want to let go of it. And if a horse can't let go of a happy thought, it can't let go of a hard thought. 
So, you know, if you said, oh, don't sniff that manure, you know, maybe, maybe he was going off to the right wanting to sniff some manure and you pulled the left rein and said that, that, that could be on the ground or under saddle, it wouldn't matter. And he said, no, I need to sniff that manure. Well, when those horses gallop over the hill and he says, I need to gallop off with those horses. And he says, well, I'm not going to let go of that and I'm not going to follow the left rein because I want to go over with those horses. So, so sniffing a bit of manure, manure is just a very soft little thing. And um, so now you can say, I'm, as you see the thoughts start to trail out to that manure, you'll see it start to happen. You say, let go of that, let's come over here. And you can start to, you know, offer him some guidance so he's got an alternative and he can start to, you know, think through the feel of the, the rope or the rain that you've offered uh, instead of constantly just, you know, tick off his little bucket list all the time. Because if you let them tick off their bucket list all the time, then one day they will want to tick off their bucket list and not want to come with you. So you don't want to go from one extreme to the other. That's what I'm saying. And the other extreme is a horse that won't come back that's completely open, uh, but never did like people or education in the first place. So they put us to the you know the outer and said, you know, I'm out of here. So um, yeah, you've just got to slowly sort of yeah make it clearer um, what what you'd like and. There's times that, you know, you can't sniff things, but there's times that you can. Um, and how does he know? Well, by the pathway that's in front of him or the suggestion that you've offered him. Um, oftentimes you can be early with your suggestions just to say, you know, try this instead. Um, another thing that people will say, you know, what happens if my horse creeps up to me when it's standing still? And I said, well, what did you ask your horse? Oh, what do you mean? I said, well, have a look at the situation. Did that rope move an inch or an ounce or, or a millimetre? No. Well, what should you do? You ask the question. Don't ask me. That's what that's what I sort of say to people sometimes to get them to think. Not, not to make them feel bad, just to get them to think about it. You know, you just have a look at the situation. The horse just stepped forward, but you didn't ask anything. So it's not a matter of should I let my horse step forward or not. It's like the horse didn't listen to the question. The rope was still. The question was stand still. Um, so you can put your horse back there and say, no, can you stand there? Because nobody asked the horse to move. So, you know, think about things like that sometimes. Um, and then, and then, yeah, you, you'll be able to sort of work out when to and when not to. And, and your horse will also know when to and when not to, which is very important for, for helping with unwanted anxiety because there's nothing worse than wondering all the time. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was really clear to me. I like that. Thank you, Mark. Um, next question is from Rachel. She has a 10-year-old Rocky Mountain horse um, under saddle, been riding for six years. But on a trail, she'll pin her ears back and over the past 12 months has kicked out sideways twice at other horses and connected with the rider's leg. So she'll do that even with horses that she knows and she's ridden with for a long time. She is wondering, Rachel's wondering if there's any way that she can sort of help her with this. Um, is it going to change? Um, her reaction has always been to move her sideways away from the other horses before it escalates. Um, but she just would like her to be happy riding with the trail riding mates. She's just doing it because all the other horses aren't gated, Rachel, that's why. <laughs> um, she's looking at them going, oh, you mere horses that just can have normal gates. I'm a gated horse. Um, but anyway, no. Um, so with, with that, Rachel, the, 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 um, she has to let, like, uh, you know, has to let go of that anxiety somehow. So, so basically the more anxiety, so, so say for instance, if it was anxiety, 
uh, from our education. So some of the things that we're doing is worrying the horse. The horse carrying more worry in a herd of horses that it doesn't know becomes has stronger spatial awareness, becomes very reactive and things like that. So, um, you know, you watch a worried horse push other horses and bite at them and have them climb fences and things like that. But when the whole herd's relaxed, that's just, that's not happened as much. So um, this is the problem. Some horses can cope with it. Some are more sensitive around other horses. So less worry, her, her bubbles and boundaries won't be as strong. And she'll also be easier for you to distract her out of that. That's, that's important. So, I, and I have to say this, because I have to say this to everybody, we have to look at all the things that we can control first. And, and how comfortable is our horse with those things that we can control. If they're, if they're carrying just because they're at a trail ride a certain amount of worry and they start to worry in the reins, then basically the horses uh, are just, you know, everything's going to be sort of, you know, every, everything around is going to be more of a sensory overload. So she'll be more aggressive, more likely to uh, kick. Now, the reason they, you know, kick is sometimes because they don't feel like they've got room to make decisions, so they react first. Um, whereas a bit of decision room makes him go, you know, maybe walk over there instead or, you know, so, so there's that reactiveness feeling like they have to be between the reins, reins on the pathway and they don't have time to think about that horse. So they're going to kick uh, instead of maybe just walking off over there or getting out of that horse's space. So part of it, riding one of those horses, you have to be extra sensitive yourself and extra, like you have to have a really good radar. Um, and if you can feel something kind of unfold or a tight spot, you can take her out of that tight spot, lead her out of it and say, we don't have to be that tight to those horses right now. We can, we can go out wide. I know there's never a perfect, you know, you know, there's always these random scenarios where you're in a tight spot, but you've got to, you know, for the first part of a lot of rides, um, you know, take her out of those tight spots and just bring her back in herself. So if someone's coming up behind you, you're just going to have to sort of ride off to the side a little just to give that a horse a bit of space. And then she feels like she can move away from that other horse. If she thinks she can't, she's just going to nail that horse and say, stop, stop, you know, uh, you know, you're coming up too close to me and I'm not allowed to move. So just you stay out of my space. If she was allowed to move, well, she, she might go somewhere else. So, you, so, so sometimes fixing those horses is not just necessarily straight away getting to let go of that strong thought of kicking. It's finding out whether if they had the choice, would they kick or would they just move out of the way a little bit? Um, or you can offer them a pathway out of the out of the other horse's space a little bit so the kicking doesn't happen. And also by offering them a pathway, you're actually getting them to let go of that, that thought about that horse and, 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 and meander their mind off onto something else, um, which is really important. So, you know, and, and like I remember sitting at a clinic uh, with, with you on her and I was talking about, we were talking about the flicking of the ear versus the letting go of a strong thought. And you can remember in the arena, she had a strong thought and she wouldn't follow. I can't remember which rain it was, but we were just trying to say, let go of that, that thought and she wouldn't let go of it. So, and if she's still the same horse, she'd probably still got these scenarios where she's got something that she's thinking about or a place that she wants to destinate to. She doesn't let go of it very easily. So if, if she's got a, a horse that's worrying her and she's got a bite or kick it, she's not going let, to let go of that thought very easily because there's times that she doesn't let go of just wanting to go over to a mate's or something like that very easily. So you've got to look also look at all the things that you're doing with your riding, like I said before, the things that you can control if they don't make her anxious and also those things that you can control like the reins. If you pick up a left rein, is it instant that she lets go of that right thought and follows it? 
Uh, if it's not, then and that's in a calm environment, then in a more, um, uh, you know, when the, when it's a hot environment, whether uh, as in, in mentally hot, there's a lot going on, uh, very sensory environment, then it's going to be a lot harder for her to let go of those things. So basically, um, that's how I, I deal with most of that is um, so and, and yeah, before it happens, try and distract her first. And, and in worst case scenario, worst case scenario, it's starting to happen and unfold. Um, and you just didn't have time or you, you know, whatever, you know, you're not perfect and nothing, nothing ever is perfect when you're out on a trail ride. Then I would just bend, bend her towards the horse. So her, her hindquarter is going away because the kick's going to be more dangerous than the bite, hopefully, but you can catch the bite with the reins if you're careful by how you take her out of the bend. Um, so I would bend it towards the horse that she might be turning to kick. So her hip would go the other way, even if you lift that indirect rein up to get her to want to rebalance. So bending her, put her in that bind, she's going to want to use that hindquarter to, to, to move over a bit. And then once she moves over, you just back her out and just ride her out of the situation and take her out as quick as you can and say, here, this is going to help you. I'll take you away from that situation. So you diffuse it very quickly, putting her in as put, putting both of you in a safe position, uh, you, you and the horse and the other rider and horse. And then you take her out of that situation quietly and just go on about your business like nothing happened and just gently distract her off. Um, because rousing on them, kicking them, forcing them just bottles them up. And I know you probably don't do that, but yeah, so, so if that'll, that'll help if it really gets, gets uh, in, a, in a spot where you've got to get out of it. Okay, sounds good. Something to work with there. Um, and the final question for today's session is from Susie. Susie's a new member to our group, so welcome Susie. She's been listening to the podcast and had a quick look at some of the videos. But she's wondering, why do you suggest using an indirect rein or a change of direction as opposed to your inside leg to keep a horse that's falling in out on a circle? Uh, good question. Um... I was waiting for someone to ask that question because I, I, <laughs> I, at a clinic, I tend to um, address it a lot and explain why and why not. Okay, depending on the so, so many years ago, I worked in Scotland and I worked for a place I had to teach the British Horse Society way of teaching. And what I realised it was very structured and and you know if you want this to happen, you put your leg here and you put your rein here, and it happens regardless of the understanding of the horse. It's almost like this is the way it's supposed to look. And this is the way the horse is supposed to understand it. Um, and I found that very difficult because it was like, well, actually, this horse doesn't understand that. How are we going to teach this horse to understand it? And that's my sort of, that's my way of thinking. How am I going to help the horse understand this? Not this is what this horse should understand. So hence get getting to legs and reins separately. Why did the horse fall in? That's my biggest thing. Um, why did it fall in? So years ago when I still hadn't quite committed to sort of not using legs for certain rain problems, when I was still sort of pushing a horse out with my inside leg, I was going, no, no, this is not right. The horse is falling in because it just locked in the jaw for a second and it thought over there or it thought over there because its mates were over there and it kind of fell in. But what I noticed is when I touched on the rain, because the horse wasn't truly balanced in the rain and it'd fall in. And then to compensate for that, we put our leg on and push them out and then try and bend them in. And then we lose the 
the balance and the connection to the inside rein and then the horse just moves off the inside leg and the problem with using a leg so say for a dull horse say okay super sensitive ribbed horses versus super dull ribbed horses the ones that block the legs out one you're using an inside leg on a horse that possibly is still quite dull so then you're kicking and pulling at the same time so you're wearing out your leg on a sensitive horse that kind of because legs mean accelerate you're actually accelerating the turn too so when you put the inside leg on so if you were to t uh, do an experiment is let go of the reins and put one leg on your horse without any reins i mean let them go not completely i mean you can just hold the buckle and just have them loose put one leg on and most horses just go faster one leg or two legs doesn't matter so it's not like inside leg right there makes the horse just do this without rein support the horse usually goes faster so that goes back to the problem the rein's not working and the horse is usually bending and steering and thinking and balancing into the rein the legs just usually accelerate things so i don't want to speed a sensitive horse up either i don't want to put leg on and make him think they've got to go faster because they got a little bit braced in the rain. So I think that's very important too to think about is legs are still an accelerant and you don't want to accelerate that horse. Um, so, but most problems, I pick up a rein and the horse doesn't follow the rein. There's something wrong with the rein. So I fix it in the rein. So that's why I teach them to yield out with the inside rein. The other thing is if you just put the inside leg on, I see a lot of horses push their shoulders out, but they're still heavy and they're still pushing out through their outside shoulder. Um, though the person's thinking they're doing the right thing, they've got the horse bent in here and the shoulder moving out. Um, if you look closely, the horse is on its forehand and it's not balanced and it's teach in that horse is learning a, a leak, which is going to be dangerous later on. So when I use the rein, I'm actually lifting the horse up to pick up the wither and get it to pick up the wither and move the wither over, not just push the shoulders out like that, like out and down. We don't want the shoulders to go out and down. So that's why also I use the indirect rein in a particular way that I've had to teach the horse to lift up, pick up the wither, lift the wither over and, and softly think into that turn. So lifting the wither out. So by lifting the wither out, the horse is not pushing through the outside shoulder and leaking like, like this, pulling with its front feet or not necessarily even pulling, but just falling out through the front. It's, it's using its hindquarter to lift up and shift over a little bit. And, and that's that's really important too, because if you just put the leg on, they just bend around your leg like that, and they may not lift up. So that's another reason as well. So, um, and then later on, yes, when the horse is really good in the reins, then you can use your legs for all sorts of things. But for leaks, usually the horse leaked in the rein and it didn't understand the rein correctly. So by bypassing and using the leg, we didn't actually go back and fix the rein. Whereas I say, just fix it with the rein, because that was where the problem started. And, um, and then one day it'll make sense to you ride around for a while because I had to do it to figure it out. Like I, I didn't have anyone tell me this, explain this to me. I mean, explaining what I had to figure out. So I guess what I did though was I had a bit of an epidural and I decided to ride paralyzed to learn the reins. And, and, and I was exploring, I was trying to learn. And, and that's when I learned, oh wow, the reins are so much more important than I realized. And then I truly started to understand, you know, more about when to influence the horse with legs and when not to, and, and when the reins are still broken and the horse doesn't, still hasn't found balance in the reins. And what ended up happening was a lot of horses got softer quicker and more balanced quicker because um, they were only listening to the reins as well at the same time, you know, because we were sort of legs without reins, reins without legs. Um, 
and and they became more confident in the reins, and that was that was really important too. So anyway, they're just things to think about, and that's helped me a lot. But for everybody out there that's listening, it's not that I don't ride without legs, and also I don't ride. It's not that I don't ride without legs for lateral work, but I like, but um, I like to teach horses how to understand and do my lateral work through the reins, and then when they understand the reins properly, we can start introducing legs, which means. It might be a longer time without using legs, but it'll be worth it because your horse will understand so much more and you won't be just, you know, using your legs for everything, which um, a lot of the problems, riding problems I, I have from horses at clinics that they've got a lot of bracing is because people are using the reins to block and the legs to push. And that's caused so much bracing horses everywhere. It doesn't matter what country you come from, pushing with the legs and blocking with the reins. To me, a block is a brace. Reins are for movement, not, not for blocking. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you, Mark. Lots to think about. Um, stay tuned, everyone, for the next podcast because we're going to hit Mark up with um, uh, Pick His Brains on True Liberty and what he thinks about that. It will be a good one to listen to. Catch you then. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Jamie. You can learn more from Mark online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. There's over 380 training videos which everyone has access to with a seven-day free trial. If you like what you see, it's just $15 a month from there. That's help where you need it.